Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the Kettlecast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. On this episode of the cast, we'll be talking about the Hawks' 83-127 to loss to the Philadelphia 76ers. For the first time in a long time, the Hawks lose back-to-back games, and the Hawks fall by over 40 points to the 76ers. Without further ado, let's get into it. That game in Detroit was ugly, and the Hawks followed it up with just an awful game where they got down 20 in the first quarter and never recovered. The Hawks were without a lot of firepower, no Bogdan Bogdanovich. Kevin Herter got an MRI and was waiting for a second opinion, so no Kevin Herter. Luckily, Brandon Goodwin was able to play despite the uh, sprained ankle that he got in Detroit. The Hawks didn't have Trey Young, Tony Snell, DeAndre Hunter, or Cam Reddish. They rolled out a starting lineup of Brandon Goodwin, Lou Williams, Solomon Hill at the three, John Collins, and Clint Capella. And early on, it felt like the Hawks would be able to kind of hang in this game, at least through the first half of the first quarter. But that was quickly dispensed as the 76ers got into transition kind of at ease. And Ben Simmons, in particular, was able to just get into transition, find his teammates, or score himself. And ultimately, the 76ers would take the first quarter 37-17, to and that would lead all the way back to this 127-83 just domination. And really, there's not a lot positive to talk about this game. Some of the interesting things that happened, uh, Chris Dunn came in. He continues to be annoying on the defensive side of the ball, but has not been able to get his offensive game going, but he got a technical in the second half. That was followed one second later with Trey Young getting a technical uh, off the bench despite not playing. Brandon Goodwin did not have his best game. It's a really tough matchup for Brandon Goodwin. The 76ers are a humongous team, and Brandon Goodwin, just there's not a easy place to put him on defense. He guarded Seth Curry a lot, but he jumped over Seth Curry. That was pretty exciting. Um, but other than that, there was not a lot of uh, excitement in this one. John Collins was really the focal point and the only Hawk that really performed really well. Clint Capella got a couple blocks on Joel Embiid, but other than that, there was just no highlights for the Hawks. There was not really, none of the young guys really stepped up and made anything exciting. The Hawks shot below 40% from the field. They shot under 35% from three. It was just not a beautiful performance at all. In fact, every sixer who was active for the game scored and uh, it was just a long night for Hawks fans everywhere. And that's really all I'm going to say about this game with all of the Hawks off on the bench who were hurt. I thought we'd go through and look a little bit at the Hawks who are injured and what we know about when they might come back. Trey young got some shots up before the game. He did not go in this one, but, he might have a little more motivation to be prepared for the game again. The Hawks play the 76ers again on Friday. He might be a little more motivated because towards the end of the game, after he drew a technical, the crowd started chanting, Trey Young sucks. Trey Young sucks. But he got some shots up before the game, and Coach McMillan said that he was feeling a little bit better. Bogdan Bogdanovich did not, was a game-time decision. He ultimately wouldn't go, but it wouldn't surprise me if he was available on Friday. I sort of think that with this really 
tough schedule that the Hawks have, especially these next two weeks, it was nice to just give Bogdanovich a three day three days off before this game on Friday. And hopefully Bogdan Bogdanovich will be able to come back because he's been playing so well for the Hawks. Kevin Herter, that shoulder injury, they got an MRI done. They're getting waiting for a second opinion, which is never a positive sign. Of course, after that game, Nate McMillan said he Kevin was walking around and seemed to be in good spirits after the Detroit game. But hopefully Kevin Herter does not miss too much time. But I don't think he will be back for the game Friday or the game against the Bulls on Saturday. Um, DeAndre Hunter, Travis Schlenk talked about how Hunter has really progressed and there would be a chance he might be able to play this week. Um, the Hawks are starting to get it really tight in the standings. And I wonder, hopefully it doesn't press anybody into um, into playing before they are ready to play. But it'd be exciting to get DeAndre Hunter out there. Cam Reddish, there was an update on him that he has started running, but there will not be another update for another two weeks. And they basically confirmed that Cam would not be back for the regular season and he could possibly back, be back for the postseason. And finally, Tony Snell has kind of continued to be out and we haven't really gotten an update on when Tony Snell will be back. But some of these guys that are out for the Hawks just provide so much firepower. Of course, it starts with Trey Young, who averages 25 points, nine assists, four rebounds. Bogdan Bogdanovich been playing a lot better. I think he's averaging over 20 points in this month of April, but he's averaging 15 points per game over the season, three assists, four rebounds. Kevin Herter is 12 points, three rebounds, three assists. And then DeAndre Hunter, who was really having a wonderful start to the, his second year, was averaging 16 points, five rebounds, and two assists. So that is over 60 points off on your bench that you're just without. And really, again, you know, tossing Brandon Goodwin out there, this 76ers team is just really big. They roll out a lineup of Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, uh, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid. And the Hawks having to toss out Lou Williams and Brandon Goodwin, there's just not a lot that the Hawks are able to do defensively with that. The Hawks tried to have John Collins be on Ben Simmons on defense, but the 76ers were not matching that on the other side of the ball, and the Hawks got caught up in a lot of different cross matches where in transition they weren't able to match up with the man defensively, and that led to some easy baskets for the 76ers, whether it was open three-pointers or baskets right at the rim. Clint Capella, again, early, had some nice blocks on Joel Embiid, but ultimately it was Clint Capella all there by himself, and sometimes there was three or four 76ers around him, um, and it didn't really matter how many rebounds Capella was able to get. It it was not falling, and this was just a game. After the Detroit game, which was a big letdown, um, and losing Goodwin and Herter, Thankfully, being able to have Goodwin back, but losing Herter, the Hawks just didn't have a lot of chance chances to hang in this game going forward. And at about halftime, it felt like Nate McMillan might pull all of the starters and go with the young guys. But he waited until the fourth quarter where Nathan Knight, Skylar Mays, um, Chris Dunn got a little bit more extended run. It has been good to see Chris Dunn get out there. He's definitely going to be a weapon for the Hawks to use on the defensive side of the ball. His shooting is going to be an issue. No team is going to put any amount of time into guarding Chris Dunn. He has some good uh, slashes to attack the basket, but he is a non-factor, non-threat shooting the ball. 
And so it'll be interesting to see how Nate McMillan handles that. But it has been good to see a player who has been on the injury report all season finally get back in these last two games. John Collins, again, was really the only weapon the Hawks had on the offensive side of the ball. He would finish the game with 21 points. And he is able to get into the paint and get to his little uh, either hook shot or a little just push shot. And John has a really nice touch and is very effective. I think he does continue to sometimes get caught up in the officiating. The Hawks would end up with more free throws than the 76ers in this game. But John gets banged around, and he's a slighter guy compared to Joel Embiid or even Tobias Harris, and he doesn't get those calls. And it can you know, take shots that would be an and one to give the Hawks three points. They're stuck with two, and John's on the ground afterwards, um, scrambling to get back up and get back on defense. But a really brutal game. And again, after the first quarter, the Hawks never made any, they never amounted any run. There was, there was no run to cut this 20-point lead to 15 or anything like that. It went to 20 and pretty much stayed 20 the entire game. Um, unfortunately for the Hawks, the Heat, Celtics, and Knicks all won, and so this battle for the fourth seed, fourth, fifth, and sixth seed in the East is continuing to heat up. Um, luckily, now that the Hawks have nine games left, seven of those games are at home. They'll have one more game against Philadelphia, and then seven of the last eight games are all at State Farm Arena, and the Hawks will get a three-day break before their last four games. So hopefully the Hawks will have a little bit of time to get healthy, Maybe they'll have some time to get some of these uh, wing defenders, guards off the bench. It was encouraging to hear that Trey uh, got was getting shots up. He had gotten his second round of the vaccine, and on Twitter he had posted that the second round was no joke. But And his dad tweeted back at him just to hydrate and, and to get ready. But, you know, Trey Young is going to be a huge difference maker, and of course having Bogdan Bogdanovich. But... It'll be interesting to see how not only the Hawks handle the next game on Friday, but also the 76ers. The 76ers are battling for that first seed in the East, and that's a tight matchup between them, the Nets, and the Bucks. And so I would not think that the 76ers would take take it easy on the Hawks on the second, you know, second leg of this little uh, two-game series and how the Hawks the 76ers were able to rest a lot of their guys. None of their players really played over 25 minutes. And so they'll be ready to go. But the Hawks just did not have their top six players on the wing. And uh, it's just difficult to win in the NBA, especially against a team that has high aspirations, such as the 76ers and on the road. Um, but the Hawks should be getting some reinforcements. They get a chance to get get back right at the 76ers at home at the 76ers home um, once again. And so hopefully they'll be able to turn it around and have a much more positive uh, performance in that game on Friday night. Of course, one of the big things under Nate McMillan is not having any sort of losing streaks. And so I imagine McMillan will be able to rally the troops and get them to perform at least at a higher level than they did tonight. I don't imagine that the Hawks will lose by over 40 points again, but it has been a little disheartening to have the Hawks' two worst offensive performing performances happen back-to-back. And there certainly are uh, reasons that, that that happened, but in the NBA, everybody's been injured. The Hawks have been more injured than most, but there's no excuses. And Nate McMillan has been very clear that the Hawks don't have any excuses. So, tough game in Philadelphia, falling 
83 to 127. The Hawks have an opportunity to get back at the 76ers on Friday night, and hopefully they'll have a much different result. Go Hawks. Thank you for catching this episode of the KettleCast. You can reach me at kettlecast at gmail.com. Go Hawks.